Hello and welcome to the Insight is Capital podcast. I'm Pierre Daly, Managing Editor at AdvisorAnalyst.com. My special guest is Ron Landry, Head of Product and Canadian ETF Services at CIBC Mellon. If you're at all interested in the developments and trends shaping the Canadian ETF industry, stay tuned. This is the Insight is Capital podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast are those of the individual guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of AdvisorAnalyst.com or of our guests. This broadcast is meant to be for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed in this broadcast is intended to be considered as advice. Ron, welcome. It's great to have you on the show. Pierre, thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, so much to talk about. So, Ron, to kick things off, for the sake of those who don't know you, please tell us a little bit about the arc of your career, how and where you started in the financial industry or in the investment industry, uh, what you do at CIBC Mellon, and what's got you busiest these days? Sure, sure. I uh, surprisingly started in this industry uh, more than 25 years ago uh, at a uh, one of the largest uh, no-load uh, mutual fund companies, Ultimera. Yeah. Uh, started my career doing fund accounting, uh, transitioned to corporate finance, compliance, uh, was very fortunate. Uh, somebody who's starting up a back office company asked me to come along and run the operations for them. Uh, and did that for a, a number of years before I took over running the company. Uh, and then, you know, we were fortunate enough to have CIBC Mellon really interested in what we were doing, uh, specifically around, uh, record keeping. And, uh, same time we had just started, uh, supporting ETFs, uh, in that space. So. Right. They came knocking, um, a really good opportunity for the, the overall organization to join a much larger organization. I uh, joined at, uh, CIBC Mellon back in 2009, uh, dabbled a little bit in relationship management. Um, we started winning some ETF business. So I put up my hand and said, here, I'm happy to run the, this part of the business for us. I uh, did that for a number of years. And then in 2019, uh, we had, a uh, opening, uh, one of our, our senior executives had left that was leading product for the organization. Uh, so I, I put my hand up and said, I'm interested in, in doing that. And so, you know, I've been running both product and our community ETF business since, uh, 2019. Um, so that, you know, what's been keeping me busy, uh, in the last. 12 plus months is digital assets, um, oh, wow. encompassing, okay. um, probably since November of, uh, 2020. Um, that's probably what I spend a significant amount of my time focused on. Um, and right now the last 12 months is really, how do we, uh, support our clients even more than we are today in the digital asset space. And that's really around digital asset custody. And we're looking to figure out how we fulfill that gap in the marketplace. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's quite interesting. I mean, you, so, so, uh, by the sounds of it, you've been involved in bringing what has been the first, the very first in the world, uh, crypto ETFs to market. Is that correct? We have. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, support, that's something that, uh, uh, quite a few. <laughs> yeah. That's something that the Americans, uh, haven't yet been able to do. I mean, that's so, so kudos to you. That's amazing. Yeah. I, you know, I, I have to hats off to our regulators. Uh, um, yeah. they, they are, they have always looked to, 
to work within the confines of our regulations, um, to let our, our manufacturers come up with unique and innovative products. Um, you know, that, that obviously was clear when the first ETF launched here in Canada and over or, or 32 years ago, this March. So that's right. You know, we're, uh, we're very fortunate. They put in the right, in my mind, the right regulations to allow for this market to grow. Never, ever let it be said that Canadians aren't innovative. That's, that's just right. one, that's just one of, of a slew of, you know, world changing innovations that Canadians have spearheaded. So Ron, markets have gotten off to a rough start in 2022. We've just been through some pretty tumultuous and exciting times during the last couple of years and what were until the end of 2021, pretty hot investment markets. So from your, from your unique position at the center of the Canadian ETF industry, what are you most excited about these days? Yeah, look, you know, I think that the industry continues to adapt to investors needs trends, you know, by developing really low cost, transparent products, creating products that allow them to access difficult to access securities, uh, or investment strategies, you know, and that's, that's been at the forefront, uh, here in Canada, you know, even before digital assets, you know, whether it was, yep. uh, accessing commodities, uh, gold, silver, um, those type of products have been really, uh, the forefront of ETFs and giving investors the opportunity to invest in those types of asset classes, uh, that if they tried to do it on their own would be very hard and complicated to do. So, you know, I think that's, that's definitely something that I'm really excited about that just the continuing innovations of the products that have come to the market. Um, obviously the main driver at the forefront for investors is, you know, choice, simplicity, uh, diversification, transparency, cost. Uh, you know, and then ETF products are, are expanding into more active, more thematic, um, you know, lately responsible investing strategies, you know, it's been the talk probably for, you know, leading up to the pandemic, probably two or three years ahead of that. Uh, but with the pandemic has really shifted investors, um, mindset to the impact that the environment's having, uh, and, you know, even social items as well. Right. So. You know, it's just been, uh, really, uh, interesting to see that, that, that dynamic shift. Um, uh, and then, you know, I think ETFs are now being used by both Canadian investors and their advisors as long term, long-term portfolio holdings, the buy and hold, uh, which, you right. know, historically, I think a lot of people looked at ETFs as quick in and out investing, um, it, because it's on an exchange, but I think, you know, really ETFs had just become, a, another investment tool, uh, that an investor can use just like mutual funds to, to make the right investment, um, whether it's part of their core portfolio or part of their satellite portfolio, uh, it's really there to help them, uh, grow their all overall investments. And, you know, I think that demand for ETS will continue to grow in the next two or three years. Like I, I think it's been uh, wonderful growth that we've seen, and I think it's just going to continue. Asset managers, traditional asset managers that historically just launched mutual funds are really, um, jumping into the ETF space, you know, whether that's launching their, uh, family of ETFs, or, you know, if they have a really strong mutual fund product that they think, uh, would be of interest to ETF investors, they're adding that ETF 
share class. Um, so we're really excited. We, we, we think that, you know, the, the theory or the thought that historically has been is, you know, they're just an ETF, uh, provider, uh, is gone out the door. And I think we're going to see more asset, traditional asset managers come into this space and launch products which I'm really excited about as well. My question to you was going to be that, you know, what, what have been some of the biggest trends shaping the, or driving the ETF space? And I think you just answered that, which is that, which is that the, what, what once was considered, you know, by, by many, uh, investors to be, uh, ETFs that, you know, were tradable that you could use to get in and out of markets easily has shifted to, uh, products that are more structured that, that provide longer term solutions that investors can, can get into and own for, for an extended period of, of time or for the long term. Yeah. And you know, it, I think as investors become more knowledgeable of ETS and how they work, the shifting, you know, ad advisors are shifting, investors are shifting to, to ETS because they're just as accessible as, as mutual funds at time. And you know, the, the cloth, the low cost nature, um, and they, they seem to be doing a lot of innovative stuff. Um, and digital assets is a perfect example, right? That was probably the hot, hottest topic in, in 2021, uh, with both the first Bitcoin and Ether ETF launching. Um, it just, the adoption has been, has been wonderful. Uh, and we, we expect it to continue to grow. Are there any other segments or kinds of ETFs that you're seeing accelerating or growing rapidly? Uh, I, I would say the ESG or res responsible investing ha happens to be uh, a very interesting trend. Uh, a lot more of the uh, ETF providers, asset managers are launching uh, a suite of responsible investing products. So it's not just one-offs. Um, you're seeing them, you know, launch, you know, five, 10 at a time to really address the, the demand that's existing in the market uh, for for these type of products, uh, you know, it definitely be interesting with the volatility we see in the market. I think this is a really going to be a really good opportunity for these type of products to, to show that they're as robust and perform as well, or if not better than, uh, traditional ETFs, uh, when it comes to the underlying investments and actually focusing on environmental, social, and, and governance, uh, especially, you know, with the pandemic, the, the war that's going on in the Ukraine, um, these are all areas that I think, uh, should be interesting to see how it plays out. 2021 was a, a really superb year for, for the ETF industry. But, you know, on top of that, we, we saw a real strong momentum in the ESG space or the responsible investing space. You know, the, the end of 2021, there's 8.2 billion in responsible investing ETFs. Though it only represents 2.4% of the total ETF assets, uh, the, the flows that came in, um, last year was, was quite strong. It was 4.2 billion, um, or 7.2% of the total net sales, which we're really excited about it. Like it's, it's starting to really pick up some, some really, uh, strong flows. And we expect that to, to continue into to 22. Ron, how has the industry been? Uh, pivoting in the face of possible changes in market regime with rising rates, the inflation threat, what are you seeing from your position? So, you know, I, I think Canadians are now looking for protection from inflation. 
uh, you know, February, I think was 5.7% was inflation. So, you know, they're obviously looking at that, uh, products such as, you know, uh, broad commodities, gold, floating rate securities, uh, tips, short duration, fixed income, um, you know, with the uncertainty in the global environment where we're seeing more home bias investing or North American investing, right. you know, I, I, I right. in, in some ways I'm some surprised by the, the numbers, but of the 8.8 billion in inflows so far this year, 65% of that flow has gone into Canadian U S equities, which, uh, wow. Interesting. I was surprised by, but you know, you know, the markets are still strong and, you know, Canadians like North America. Um, it's a, a market they know and equities are doing well. And so they continue to, to buy them. Uh, so we're, that's where we've seen the, a lot of the flow going so far, you know, at the same time where people are looking for yield, uh, obviously Canadian investors are getting older, uh, getting closer to retirement. If not in retirement, uh, interest rates are still low. You know, so even though we, we saw a bump in interest rates in February by the Bank of Canada, we, we, you know, and there may be other increases, interest rates are still at historical lows. Uh, so they need to find yield, you know, whether that's investing in global fixed income, uh, dividend paying, uh, ETFs, um, it's all around trying to find a, a steady stream of income that's, that's going to help investors and support their retirement. What are some of the newest or, or most interesting ETF solutions you're seeing come to market? There was a suite of, of new target date dated, uh, or date, uh, ETFs that came out from a new ETF provider, um, which should be interesting. Um, you know, we've seen that historically in mutual funds, uh, where they have target date mutual funds. This is the first time we've seen an ETF. Uh, it'll be interesting how right. it fares against the one ticket portfolio. A lot of the larger ETF providers have been coming out with the, you know, whether it's growth or balanced or conservative or fixed income one ticket type portfolios. But this is the, the first we've seen uh, come to market that's actually target dated. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Not much, maybe not much different than when RBC originally launched their fixed income um, target dated. Uh, fixed income products, but this is, this is interesting. Uh, well, wish them all the best in, in, in success. It, if it's, uh, it does well, I think we'll see other products, uh, other providers come up with similar products. Has there been any change in the flows, uh, you know, in terms or had, has there been any change in the amount of attention given to certain areas, given the way the market has gone so far this year in 2022? Yeah, it's, um, you know, according to the, the national bank, uh, financials, monthly ETF flow, you know, like I said, we're 8.8 .8 billion in flows up until the end of February, you know, which is a, a billion lower than last year at the same time. Um, flows are really, like I said, focused on equities, um, makes up 80, 86% of the total flows is going into equity based ETFs. Uh, other areas that we're seeing flows are multi-asset, um, fixed income. And the fixed income are really that the real are, are really just cash alternatives or inverse leveraged. Um, so he says they're still really popular, um, our high interest saving, uh, accounts. Uh, so they're, they're definitely seeing some flows, um, commodities so far this year, the only asset group that's actually negative flows, which, you know, considering the market and what's going on, 
I thought it would have seen a little bit more going into commodities. Um, obviously with, uh, oil, uh, hitting some, some interesting numbers, you know, the, the move away from the American dollar into gold, you know, there, there could be some, um, interesting flows that go into commodities. Uh, so far equities are still knocking out of the park. It's, you know, it's where most of the assets go year over year and, um, seem to still attract a lot of the, the, the assets today, which, you know, it's interesting, you know, that even though we have strong flows, um, and product growth. So we've, we've seen, you know, I think 40, 49 new ETFs coming into the market this year or 43 versus 29 last year. Um, unfortunately overall assets are down from December's high. So, you know, we were at three, 348.6 billion at the end of December. And at the end of February, we're down to 327, uh, which we haven't seen, uh, assets that low in the ETF space since October of, of, of last year. So you can see how much the market has, has really impacted the, the overall growth of the ETF space. Three years ago, when we spoke last, uh, the hot thing that was happening in the market was the alternative space. And now that we have, now that a lot of these, some of the, uh, newest entrants in the alternative space, when, when the deregulation came for liquid alts, um, now, now some of these new ETFs have had three-year track records. Are you seeing any, any uptick in, in, uh, interest in, in alternatives as a result of having these three-year numbers? Um, how is the alternative space growing or gathering steam? I still think it's, it's slower than anybody anticipated. I think we're at the end of November, we were about 20 billion in, in total assets, which is significantly lower than I think the market really had thought they would be going, um, look, I, I think alternatives is all going to boil down or liquid alts is really going to boil down to the type of liquid alts it is. I, I think this, this market that we're in right now is, is really going to, um, benefit investors who have picked the right product to safeguard against market volatility. Uh, so if there's a, a liquid alternative fund out there and uh, that meets, meets that need and you know, uh, there are some examples out there, you know, horizons has a, a, a number of, uh, bull and bear type leverage products that fall under the alternative banner. You know, I think anybody who was betting against, uh, um, the market going or betting that the market was going to go down will have done well in their, their inverse, uh, products. Uh, you know, if somebody thought that, uh, commodities were going to go through the roof, um, and they were bullish on that and picked their, their, uh, commodity products that are, are leveraged upwards, they're going to do well as well. Uh, so, you know, at the same time, it's, it's really, really picking the right product in under that alternatives banner that, that meets right. an investor's need, uh, whether it's from, um, seeking additional app alpha, uh, or really just per protecting against, uh, market downturn. Uh, you know, you look at the alternative space, um, equities as well, liquid alts, the equity type products are, are, are where you're seeing the flows, um, which is, uh, interesting. Uh, you know, we thought multi strategy would really pick up, uh, from that perspective, but I think unfortunately the 
the way the regulations are written, uh, it makes it a little harder for multi-strategies to do well, um, from that perspective, or at least to structure a product that's really multi-strategy. Uh, I think the regulators have done a really good job of granting exemptions, um, where they need right. to, to really, uh, promote the adoption of liquid alternatives. Like if you have a really good story on why you need to be outside the parameters of the regulations. Uh, so far the regulators have been very open to, uh, granting those exemptions, which we're always happy to see. What would you say have been among, or what are, what are the, what are among the most progressive or structured active or innovative ETF products that you see coming this year? A lot of the main we're seeing, at least the discussions we're having with our, our, our clients today is, uh, going beyond, uh, Bitcoin and ether. So, you know, additional coins, uh, they're looking to bring to market, uh, digital assets, um, are, are, are the areas that they're really looking at, um, or at least discussions that we're having quite a bit, uh, uh, dialogue on, uh, which we're, we're pleased to have, you know, we, we just actually got our internal approvals to add additional coins to our, our suite of, um, that we can support from an administration standpoint in this space. Right. And then really, um, you know, we, we now have clients talking to us again about, you know, bullion. Um, so I think the market, the way it's going now we have, you know, there's obviously bullion ETFs out there, but we now have, uh, clients that are like, Hey, you know, we, we discounted it in the past, but maybe we'll relook at that. Uh, so they're looking at how they can come to market with, you know, maybe, a, in a innovative way to offer a, a bullion ETF. So, you know, the, those are the things that we're seeing, like other than responsible investing, um, ESG type products, um, those are the things that we're, we're probably having the most conversations about at this point, um, which, you know, we're, we're always happy to lend a year and try to find ways to support our clients. Who knows what the next, uh, innovative type product will be. Um, but I'm quite sure our clients will be asking us whether we can support them in, in doing it, whatever it is. Ron, what do you see happening in the way of, of promising or progressive regulation or regulatory change in the pipeline that could affect things one way or another? Yeah, I'd, I'd say the biggest talking point today in at least our industry is, is T plus one. So, you know, both Canada and the U.S. are looking to work towards uh, T plus one in 2024. Um, you know, we have industry groups that are working. Um, they've been stood up probably late last year, uh, and just driving towards getting to T plus T plus one, uh, you know, the Canadian ETF association is, uh, involved with the, the CCMA, um, in making sure that there is no gaps, uh, in what's going to be introduced. Uh, it definitely is, you know, the, the goal is really to reduce counterparty risk, reduce margin requirements, uh, you know, decrease clearing capital requirements, and then just increase global, uh, settlement harmonization. Uh, so, you know, I think this is all the drive towards someday T plus zero, uh, same day <laughs> yeah. settlement. Uh, it, it does, it does really, um, change how processes need to occur. 
Um, so it, it's definitely a, a heavy lift for the market to make sure all the players, all the stakeholders can uh, move towards a T plus one environment. Uh, we're, we're very fortunate as a custodian, um, we can support it. It's the rest of the market that needs to be able to, to, to shift to that. Right. And that's no, uh, people trading, uh, counterparties, you know, what does that mean? Can they do it? A lot of things have been overnight batches, you know, as long as we match by T plus one at noon, everybody's good. Well, that doesn't work if we're moving to T plus one, right? So how do right. we move up the timelines? What do we do when there's, uh, things break, uh, and just making sure that the market is still robust and, uh, supportive of the overall industry. And then, you know, the other, the other thing that has been a hot topic, at least for, uh, ETFs in the last <laughs> few years is, you know, uh, allocation to redeemers, the cap gains to redeemers discussion, uh, obviously in 2019 in the, in the budget that was released, it basically got rid of the ability to, um, appoint cap gains to redeemers the way that historically been done, uh, the finance and the federal government has been very supportive in allowing us to defer the introduction of the ATR for ETFs. Uh, we've had ongoing discussions with them all the way up until, uh, you know, now, um, you know, they, they obviously, we, we had some really good discussions with them. We proposed a number of scenarios. Uh, they finally came back and said, you know, thank you for all the insight, the education. We're going to come back to you with what we think is an appropriate approach. Uh, we saw what they, they thought their appropriate approach was in their, their release in February. Um, you know, we, we think it's, it's fair, um, in the way that they've, they've, uh, approached the scenario, uh, based on what they told us they were trying to accomplish. You know, so transparent ways for them to actually test whether allocation of redeemers was actually working. Um, they also did some changes to the cap gain refund mechanism, um, as well that, that really helps the ETF industry. So, you know, the, both between the Canadian ETF Association and IFIC were, uh, were actually drafting our response back to the finance, uh. We are, we are, you know, looking to ask them to reconsider once again, some of the, the submissions, uh, that we put in, uh, but that said, we, we believe this is a, a fair outcome, uh, that will benefit, uh, the ETFs here in Canada, uh, versus, uh, the initial rule that they had proposed back in 2019 that would have, uh, disadvantaged, uh, the ETF industry as a whole. So, you know. Uh, we, we appreciate finance, uh, working with us, listening to us, having, you know, I'd say a multi-year discussion on, uh, what we thought was fair and, you know, they, they took what we had to say and, uh, came up with, with their proposed rules and we think it's fair. Um, you know, hopefully it, it ends up, uh, being fair to as many investors as possible. Um, uh, but we, we think it was the right approach. That's very interesting. It's, uh, it's, it's really interesting to see how 
technology is making it possible to do away with the sort of arcane, uh, you know, settlement procedures of the past and how that, that, you know, should improve overall liquidity in the market. And also, I think, I think, you know, investors are uh, sick and tired of, of, uh, uh, the unfairness on tax rules, uh, with regards to, you know, whether you're a long-term holder or uh, an intermediate or, you know, holder or trader that, that, um, you know, the past, the past treatment of, of, uh, or past attribution of capital gains wasn't being done on the basis of how long an individual held a fund and what they paid and what they exited. And it wasn't necessarily being attributed to them specifically. Uh, but once again, technology and, and data are making it possible to, to be able to single out traders from long-term investors so that the long-term investors aren't being saddled with someone else's tax bill at the end of the year. It's very, very interesting, Ron. Thank you so much for your insight and your incredibly valuable time. It's great to have you. Thanks, Pierre. Uh, it was great to, to be able to talk with you again and look forward to doing it again uh, with you soon, uh, hopefully next time in person. Yes, and we won't wait so long. <laughs>